0: The Sports Career Podcast, episode 169 How to Get Out Your Comfort Zone When Pursuing a Career in the Football Industry. Hello, Sports Achiever, thank you for tuning in to the Sports Career Podcast. I'm your host, Ed Bowers. And before we start, out of interest, have you checked out my new playbook? It's called the Sports Career Playbook, which has over 30 ways to start a career in the sports industry with confidence. If this is a report that will help you with regards to your sports career journey, check out education2sport.com forward slash playbook, and you could use this report today and apply it to your sports career journey. Now, as always, my goal each week is to provide you a special guest who's an expert in a specific field in the sports industry, especially if you have an interest in pursuing a career in the football industry. I hope today's episode can be useful to you with regards to your interests and needs. Now, getting back to today's show, this week's special guest is Sabrina Buljubasic. Sabrina has a fascinating football career journey. She's an ex-professional footballer, She's also an international lawyer, and currently she's the CEO of FK Savievo, a Bosnian professional football club. For that reason, it's such a privilege to have Sabrina as a special guest on the show. That's when today's episode, Sabrina will share her football career journey and explain to you how you can get out of your comfort zone when pursuing a career in the football industry. Sabrina, it's such a pleasure to have you on the podcast show. Please can you share to listeners your sports career journey? When did it all start?
1: First of all I want to say hello to you and to all of your listeners and I'm very happy to be part of your podcast thank you for having me in regards to my journey uh, when it came to football uh, I've changed so many sports in my life that uh, at the age of 12 I decided started to I started to play football in the states in uh, Vancouver Washington uh, where we technically grew where I grew up since I was six years old till I was uh, 19 but I started playing football when I was 12. Uh, I played for high school. I played for, as well, a club team. And I just really started enjoying the sport. Even though I was involved in so many different sports, football was something natural to me. Especially, especially coming from the region, from the Balkan region, where football is a very big thing. It's uh, something that we're quite used to. So uh, playing football was a very big thing for me. And then at the age of um, 19, I decided to return to Bosnia. On my own. Uh, My parents stayed in the States. Uh, One of the biggest reasons is because I wanted a challenge. Um, Although I had a full ride scholarship in the States, I wanted to come back and kind of um, do a lot of things to help and assist women's football here and in general football because I felt that there's so much talent here that it was not exploited the right way. So for me, it was uh, one of the biggest things that I wanted to do is I don't know, I I always had the saying where I said, um, it's easy to go on the paved road, but it's much more difficult to make your own road. So I wanted to do something much more difficult and to see if I could succeed, because uh, I've always been taking the difficult road instead of the easy road. So for me, it was kind of natural. After when I came here at the age of 19, I finished. I enrolled uh, in American University here for my international law degree. And uh, I moved to a city called Tuzla, which is uh, maybe second or third largest city in Bosnia. It's two hours away from capital. And Tuzla, there's no women's team, but there's a lot of little girls playing at uh, schools at you know, uh, play arts. But there's no women's team whatsoever, or football school or anything So my biggest thing that I wanted to do is give them the opportunity to play. Um, So I started uh, going and recruiting around uh, little girls to join so I can teach them about football. And it took me about a month and a half to get 10 girls to actually accept because most of the parents said it's a men's game. Uh, I don't want my little girl looking like a bodybuilder. And then I just told them, okay, well, you can come meet me. And then if I look like a bodybuilder, then, you know, I understand. (laughs) So, uh, after that, it kind of went a different direction. Uh, We've got a lot of little girls to join after the first month, um, up to the age of maybe 13, 14. But what I was amazed is that there was a lot of girls that actually played somewhere around Bosnia, but they stopped because they came back to their city where there was no uh, team. So, we had a mixture of girls up to the age of 30 uh, that had actually playing career. So I had girls from 12 to 30, (laughs) and we had a uh, roster around 35. So we split them into sections. One was a football school, and one was the first team. And we worked together, tried to develop this, and we joined the Premier League. Um, After around four years, uh, I decided to leave the team because I wanted to still pursue my career in playing when I was, uh, I think, 24, 25, Uh, I moved to Sarajevo, and I played for the best women's team here in Bosnia, which is uh, SFK 2000. At that point, I finished my law degree, but it was boring for me. Uh, I mean, I, no offense to anybody that has an international law degree and everybody has their their ways, but I felt like if I finish my football career, that I will end up behind a desk working something that has nothing to do with sports, which for me was not something that I wanted to do. So I did my research, and I found a, a degree... Make a PhD master's degree in uh, Madrid for international sports law. So I did all my research. I enrolled. They actually gave me a 75% scholarship at the time was available because I wrote them that I gave all of my funds to forming this women's team, so I couldn't really afford to pay for the for the education. But I really wanted to be there, so I started going to uh, Ace day in Madrid, and I was sitting next to people like. Tata Martino's daughter, uh, at the time he was the coach of Barcelona, or uh, the representative of Jan Black or representative of Firmino. And I look around and I'm just amazed by the people that I'm sitting next to and the connections that we're making. Um, after that degree I came back and then it was 2014 I believe and I couldn't find a job in Bosnia and my parents were not too happy because with all my all my success and I mean being able to finish my education they said, you know, it's better if you come back to the States. There's a possibility you'll find a job much easier. And they were right because I already had a job offer. But after two years of trying to push here, doing pro bono no work for a lot of uh, clubs and a lot of players, uh, playing football at the same time, I decided to, uh, in 2015, when FK Sarajevo won the title, I decided to send a letter asking if I can volunteer at the club. I didn't receive any response then I just wanted to keep my education alive. I went to watch them win the title and I was amazed they just received a new owner his name is Vincent Tan it seemed like there was finally a club that was going the right direction and they were and I wanted to be part of this Um, and nothing happened so I kept going and playing football uh, and helping assisting and as much as I can in football. 2016, I was coming here to suggest maybe a tournament for the academy for FK Sarajevo, and the CEO then asked me, you know, who I was, and I gave my background. He said, "Oh, maybe you can come volunteer for us." So at that point, it's seven, a year and a half later, I got what I wanted. So I started volunteering in March. Um, I volunteered uh, doing all the legal cases in regards to training conversation contracts, and forming uh, everything. After that, in June, I believe, no, no, Uh, yes, in May, actually, they asked me if I can work full-time as a sports lawyer, so I got my first job, which meant I didn't have to move back to the United States. (laughs) I mean, I love the United States, but uh, I really wanted to to do something here. So um, at that point, I started working as the sports lawyer here at the club, and after a few months, in August, my CEO decided to leave and uh, he asked me to inform the owners and investors and uh, one of the representatives, which is the CEO of Cardiff. He's as well, uh, one of the right-hand men for Vincent Tan. So I informed him. His name is Ken Chu. I informed him and he told me, okay, Sabrina, And I was on the phone. I remember this like yesterday. My parents came to visit me from the States and I was on the phone and I told them, uh, you know, the CEO left. And he said, okay, for tomorrow, you're going to be the acting director or the acting CEO. And I was like, what? I didn't hear him that well, and so uh, at that point, I thought I didn't hear him well. He said, I'll call you back. I have this uh, call from the boss. I said, okay. So I called my mom. and said, I think uh, Ken said I'm going to be some type of director or something, <laughs> and I was still playing football. So for me, I was like, you know, what, what, will, what will this mean to me? So I got home. I got an email uh, that was sent to all the board of directors of the club. Uh, on behalf of Ken and Vincent Tan, saying that Sabrina will be the CEO tomorrow. Uh, most of the reactions were a woman. It's the first woman that will be the CEO. So they weren't really too happy about maybe this idea. They were thinking that the fans will go, you know, berserk because, uh, or crazy, because at that point we didn't make it to European qualifications. So they said that we're going to make a downfall. So at that point I started working as the CEO for a few months as the active CEO. And then I became the uh, CEO and that was in 2016. So a lot has passed since then.
0: Wow, what a fascinating journey. And we'll be talking about your CEO position later on in the interview. But just going back in time, because I think this is really important because you've given so many sort of career guidance tips whilst you're telling your story. But just going back as a player, what transferable skills have supported you as a player, but also working in the football industry out of interest?
1: To be honest, I worked in in sports that were team sports, so I can't say about other sports, but definitely about football, basketball, that's what I was mostly involved in. You know, you learn to work as a team and to be able to be in this position and to know back then what I learned on, on the pitch, it's knowing that you have to have... I don't know, 11 different people on the pitch and you have to work together for one common goal. It's similar to, I think, the position of a CEO. You have the marketing, you have communications, you have financial, and all of them are different in their segments. But together, we have to make and mold together a a piece and we have to go towards the same direction. So for me, that was one thing. Another thing was that I was a captain back in the States uh, for my club and uh, for my high school team. And I think that taught me as a leader and to understand the different roles of each player and to understand that uh, connection between myself and the coaching staff. And a lot of that has, I think, uh, helped me in the future to to have this leadership role. And to understand, to work with people. Because I think if you can be in this position and if you don't have the sense to work with people or to understand people, then it's quite difficult that you can um, you can work together.
0: Absolutely. And just from an academic standpoint, I know you said you didn't want to work behind a desk being a lawyer. <laughs> but what inspired you to go, right, I want to do sort of sports law, like go into law as like an academic perspective. Like what inspired you to take that road a direction in regards to your academics and how has that supported you now looking back?
1: First of all I'll be closer to a pitch than a desk that was my whole <laughs> that was my whole idea so that was the first thing that I wanted to do but uh, you know I, I was intrigued by the contracts the the negotiations the transfers of players and I'm sure that you know, at that point I did a lot of research to find out that there were so many sports lawyers involved. And it was a, it was a segment that was uprising at that point. So it was not very well known for me. It was not accessible to know that there's a sports law degree. So, um, I actually sat down and did a lot of research to find out. And the first thing that I found out was, is there? So at that point, I just knew that I wanted to be involved in sports and I wanted that, If I was to be a lawyer, as much as I love law, I really do. Because in high school, I grew up watching Law & Order. So my mom knew right away I would be a lawyer. So (laughs) at that point, um, I decided to go into law. But I figured that, you know, I can't put the two, two things that I love together. And with sports and with law, then I can put them together. And at this point, I just wanted to be able to do law. But I wanted to be closer to sports, closer to football as well. Would you
0: mind just providing some guidance for some students because this show is all about them and helping them with their career journey whilst they're studying. And I know you've gone through ISDA and I've got a few people on my show who have gone through ISDA as well. Could you just just provide some tips for students who are studying with regards to your experience?
1: Well, I mean, for me, joining ISDA was a little bit difficult because, first of all, uh, it, it was difficult for me to find Uh, the funds to be able to cover it, considering I invested a lot of my funds in the women's team. So I didn't want that to be the reason why I didn't join. So at the same time, they really assisted me because I gave them a a great story as to the reason why I couldn't and the reason why I wanted to be there. Uh, I wasn't just stopping it when they said, okay, you have this amount. And I said, okay, I don't have that amount. I closed the door and I left. No, I, I tried to find funds. I tried to find scholarship, international scholarships. I tried to find maybe, for example, a, a company that will help assist me or fund the education, but if I work for them for a certain period of time. So I did everything possible. That way, I could not regret it the next day because I could say I exhausted all my uh, measures. So the education purposes, I learned so much at ISDE that I, I don't think... At any point, the amount of education, the funds that I had to go through or or I had to find a way to uh, finance, it really is worth it because the connections I made, the networking, the people that I met, the educational purposes, the the things that I learned was not something that you can learn just because you studied law. I studied law, but I was not even close to what we were talking about. We were talking about anti-doping. We are talking about FIFA regulations and how this is incorporated in local laws. And all of that was for me intriguing. Just imagine, you know, for me, when I don't have, uh, I don't mind history. But if I was listening to history, I'd probably listen to it like this four hours. But when I was listening to sports a lot, I I didn't take my phone, I didn't you know rest my hand. I was very intrigued because I was on the pitch playing as a footballer, and then all of a sudden, this uh, in, went into a classroom. So if I could have studied this for all of my years from elementary, high school and everything, I probably would uh, because it really tied into what I love. So it was quite easy. And from my perspective, I think uh, from my perspective, I think that uh, if you if you really enjoy, you know, if you really enjoy what you want to do, then um, it, it makes it more enjoyable to learn. So uh, for me, Day was definitely a very big turning point in regards to my next following career.
0: And just before we talk about today's podcast topic, and you mentioned it very briefly, but how important is it to build a network during your time at university and your studies, but also keep building that network throughout your sort of sports career journey as well?
1: In this business, you have to have a network. Uh, for me, I think it was very important because um, just going back to Day, we had... 23 students, and out of the 23 students, we had 18 from different countries throughout the world, from Brazil, Jamaica, from Africa, throughout the world, and to be able to listen to their experiences, their hardships, their complications, was the first, uh, I think, uh, connection that we made, and so you can relate and say, yes, the same thing is here in Bosnia, and then we can try to maybe work together to resolve this. Um, After I finished my career, any time I had, for example, uh, a case, I was doing a pro bono case, it had something to do with Spain, I had a colleague of mine in Spain and I can call him up and say, okay, well, can you give me more information about this and this regulation? Um, I'm not an expert in Spanish law, so, and I cannot be, but I can ask for this advice or make this connection or in, if I cannot do the, the, the case. I can say, hey, if you're interested, I have this uh, player from Bosnia. He's going to Spain. He has this uh, legal case. Do you want to take it on? And a lot of the times I've shifted a lot of players from here to uh, have the connection with different sports lawyers because it's not very hands-on here. You, there's not mer- uh, there's not many lawyers here that you can have a connection with in regards to sports law. So for me, the network is the biggest thing. I've made so many connections and so many friends along the way that a lot of the things that we have complications, it kind of just helps you and assists you. A lot of things that you can learn, all the complications that they have, you can learn from and try to avoid. So the network is very good. And, you know, I've had situations where a friend of mine has suggested to another friend, and then all of a sudden I go to, uh, you know, a seminar, there's like three people that I don't know, they're coming, oh, we heard about you and your what you did, this, that, and that just keeps... It's, it's wonderful to see. It just keeps uh, you know, spreading. So you keep making your network wider and wider. If you don't have a network, it's quite difficult. You're closed into this, this maybe uh, country only in regards to Bosnia. You're just closed here. But if you have this network, think you can step out. You can assist each other. You can find similar connections. Or in the end, at least you'll find a good friend.
0: Absolutely. I really do hope the listeners take that on board. And with regards to today's podcast topic, it relates to a phrase you said earlier, taking the hard road. How important has it supported you to get out your comfort zone when pursuing a career in the football industry?
1: Well, I mean, it's much more comfortable for me. It's much more comfortable to play on the pitch than to be (laughs) in this position. So, well, I mean, stepping out of the comfort zone is always important not just in football, I think in general, if you want to make some type of improvement or some type of success, you cannot be comfortable at where you are at. You have to make a change and every change is not comfortable from my perspective. And of course, in this industry, we look at different segments. I cannot just say from my perspective, I can say from a player's perspective, sports lawyer's perspective and a CEO perspective, and I can say the CEO has the most uncomfortable (laughs) job out of all of them, but every... A single job has its own so just moving from the states coming here is the first point of being uncomfortable and then after that moving from the pitch going into being a sports lawyer and I remember my my biggest uncomfortable situation was uh, my CEO coming and saying oh I want this in this contract and considering my English is very good and my Bosnian writing is maybe not as good uh, grammarly wise but I took the contract and I had 10 minutes to make a, a player's contract in Bosnian For me, that was like, I don't know, instead of playing football on on the pitch, going and doing something that has nothing to do with football or law. (laughs) So for me to do this in in Bosnia was very uncomfortable. But as soon as I did this, the next one was much easier. The next one was much easier. And as soon as you see that you're moving towards a good way, good direction, then I think this is uh, good enough to realize that you made the right choice. So being comfortable is okay, but you're not going to really move much you're going to be where you are. So in general, in any industry, it's quite important that you try to uh, improve every single day and improving and changing things are not comfortable whatsoever. So um, it's it's important, I think, for me and for anybody that's looking in this career, that they are they are able to step away from the comfort zone and to be able to look for changes.
0: Just from that CEO perspective, when you had that phone call you had, out of interest, Looking back, what skill sets have you developed significantly, which has helped you do the role you're doing now?
1: Football is very interesting. It's <laughs> It has its ups and it has its downs. There's a lot of things that, you know, I've learned along the way. And I tried to say that, you know, it's a little bit different in the States than it is here as well. Um, I received a little bit of a tougher skin because I realized not every single transfer is going to be a transfer. Not every negotiation is going the right way. Not every player is going to want to extend the contract. Not every person that's working with you wants to have you there. At that point, I knew that... The first thing that I knew is that I could not, if I had a plan, I could not share it with everybody because there's not always the right people around you that are going to help and support you to get there. So my first thing is that I ask questions. People are sometimes a little bit shy or they think that it's a weakness to ask questions. So I came in this position and I was a ghost. I came into the biggest club in Bosnia with such a huge fan base. And I'm the first woman to do so. So for me, the first thing that I did is I asked a lot of questions. I made sure that whatever I did, whatever step I moved towards to, that I documented documented it. Because I didn't have too much of a, let's say background as a CEO at a, at a big club. I didn't have any actually. So for me to do something new, I wanted to make sure that I asked, for example, the CEO of Cardiff, Ken, which is our as um, well involved in the club at that point, I wanted to ask him questions. Well, let's talk about the most random. How do you employ people at your club? Do you employ them right away on a one year or do you employ them for three months? It sounds really like just basic, but for me, I wanted to ask questions because first of all, I wanted to learn and develop a lot of the people that I knew that were good managers, maybe not the best in football, but they were good business managers. I asked them about, for example, the different steps that they took. So, I realized that this is the first, I think, skill it was the fact that I wrote down everything and then I asked a lot of questions. And we should not be afraid to ask a lot of questions because that's the only way we can learn. And we learn our whole life from my perspective. That was one of the skill sets. And second is that I'm very uh, open person. So for me, there was no, uh, for me, I tried to make sure that I communicate a lot, that my employees knew that I worked differently than the previous CEO. And communication is a key aspect. And if you don't have this communication and if you cannot communicate with your employees, then you're not definitely moving forward because they're not going to know what to accept from you. As well, I didn't allow, well, I can give you a kind of an idea. We have, of course, so many comments under our Facebook, Instagram. I decided to delete everything the first night I became the CEO because, of course, we have a big fan base. But I did read comments. I read them the first week and I felt, in depression because not everybody's going to love you. (laughs) So it's quite normal. And I needed the reality check after seven days to realize I don't need to read the comments because it's completely normal. Somebody likes summer, somebody likes winter. So it's quite normal that somebody's going to maybe think that I'm doing the right job or somebody's going to think I'm not. So at that point, I think one of the biggest skill sets is just kind of allowing to block out these segments because they're just going to make you negative and think about negative aspects, but setting your goal. Um, one of the biggest thing is setting a goal. And I did a three year strategic plan of the club at that point, because I didn't want to do something overnight. I wanted a plan of how to get to where I wanted. And what I wanted was not being the first woman CEO at the club. I wanted to do something that's not been done by a man or a woman. So just for me, being a woman CEO is not good enough for me. For me, it was, I wanted to win the double title. So it from nobody can t- say anything differently, only the people that, can, that were at the club. But they know at the club that since 2016, my idea was that I want to win the double title. I want to eventually build an infrastructure for the club as well, because I wanted to know that at some point I was able to make a difference. It was not just a woman CEO, but I was able to do something differently so that all the people that even said, you know, she's not going to be able to do this, to show that, you know, it's not about women or men, it's the fact that, you know, you're capable enough to do this. I think being persistent is a very very good skill set.
0: <laughs> Look, I really do hope that listeners are enjoying this as much as I am. And the ones I just want to touch on as well, and we had this on a previous conversation off air, how have mentors supported you in general throughout your careers?
1: Well, I have two big mentors. Uh, well, one of them I have to say town and Ken. so I'm gonna group them a little bit together. Another one is uh, our common friend, Dev, uh, because definitely is a big mentor. I think you can't do it alone. You know, coming from this, this area, especially in Bosnia, it's not that a lot of, I had a lot of success of you know, becoming a CEO and everybody was like applauding, saying she's a CEO. It's perfect. I had actually inner people inside the club that were trying to find ways to not have me here. And I think this, I'm not the first person I'm sure that had the same situation, but you know, at this point, people don't even know me and they were pushing me out of the club. They haven't seen my results yet and they're pushing out of my club. But I had the, I had the right path in the sense that I didn't have the, you know, I was not scared to ask questions as I mentioned earlier. So I sat down and I would call Ken and say, okay, I'm having difficulties. This guy's going against me saying this, 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 this. What do I do? I don't know what to do next or I would call Vincent Tan, And he allowed me to pursue the goal that I had for the club. So he gave me, let's just say I was here, but I didn't have the wings to fly. So he gave me the wings to fly. So if I didn't have that from his side, then there's not quite a way that I would be able to succeed after the first year because it was up and down. There were so many times I just want to say, okay, I'm done with this. I'm just going to go home. It's much easier. Uh, But he, because of his trust in me and putting me as somebody that doesn't have so much experience and trusting me, I wanted to make sure I didn't let him down. So I did everything possible to make sure that I'm going the right way or to ask him if that's okay. Um, so I, I really thank him for that because it wouldn't be after three years, we wouldn't win the double title like we did last year. If it wasn't for him being able to follow my goals or follow my, uh, let's say three year plan that I had, which if I go down, which I did about a year ago, and I ticked off some of the boxes, we ticked off a lot of boxes that I didn't even realize. So for me, um, his support meant a lot. And then having Deb, which we finished the easy day together, he's in, somebody that's in the sporting world much longer than me, and uh, he looks at things objectively. So sometimes I'm looking at it with all, you know, hearts, uh, looking at it as a football player or looking at it as somebody that loves football or that loves this club. And I'm like telling him that we have to do this. We have to do that. Oh, my God. This is he's like, calm down. I don't agree. We should do it this way. So having somebody give you a reality check or, you know, uh, helping you and assisting you, especially in the difficult times, then it gives you the power and the, in the wind in the wings that Vincent Tan gave me to be able to fly. So for me, mentor to have a mentor is one of the richest things that you can have.
0: Absolutely. And look, Sabrina, thank you so much for sharing that. Honestly, I really do appreciate it because sometimes as podcast listeners, as fans, we don't see behind the scenes of the role you do. And with regards to mentors, it's something I say to students, it's so important. And without a doubt, and I'm going to give him a shout out, Dev has supported me. Like literally, there's times I've been doing these podcast shows, and he just says, keep going, just keep going. (laughs) And it's so important to have that support system around you, people you can really trust. I just want to pivot the conversation really briefly now on an exciting project you're involved in now with regards to the common goal project. I just wanted you to share that and like what inspired you to get involved in this other project whilst being a CEO
1: well uh, I've been always involved even back in high school I've been involved in uh, kind of community work even then my my one of my uh, graduation papers was on giving back and helping or, you know orphanages throughout the world, especially after war-torn uh, countries like in Bosnia. So it was not something that was strange for me. I uh, People that know me, I don't really speak about it too much publicly. Um, I'm not in the, in the let's say, public light that much. Uh, and I try to not speak about it so it doesn't look <laughs> like I'm trying to shed all the light. But uh, for me, it was just important because I, I feel that at some point, if you can give back, it will make you feel, not just make you feel better, but it will make you feel that, you know, you can give somebody a helping hand, you can do something, you can change somebody's life. I've had situations, for example, a year ago with Vincent uh, where we visited uh, refugees in Turkey, and he amazed me, he's uh, so humble, the the type of person that he is, he's very humble. And he, he noticed that I gave a necklace to one of the girls that was there, and he said, why. I said, because she's around the age when I was, uh, as a refugee, when I moved to uh, America during the the war here in Bosnia. And, you know, I noticed that she's very shy. And I'm sure she had a very difficult, you know, road just getting to Turkey, getting to Istanbul to run away from uh, the war. And you can see that she doesn't want to take a candy. She wants, she doesn't want to take this. She's very, she's hiding behind her mom. But I was able to kind of, get her out of her shell and bring her to sit next to me to play, even though she doesn't understand the language. So I decided to give a necklace just so she can remind herself that there's a road outside of all the things that she went through. Another thing is in regards to common goal is that I was involved, I think four years ago, I don't know the exact date. I was involved in street world football, which common goal is uh, formed by street world football. And Street World Football brought countries, people, kids that were there together. And most of them, and some of them didn't know how to speak English. So we had to do a, a lot of uh, mentoring towards the kids and making games and making, um, uh, even playing a four side, I believe it was uh, game and having some other things that we were doing on the other side. And they were all mixed together in different nations. And then you bring in a group of 20 people that every other, every third person is from a different nation. And girls and boys and then you have to explain for example you're playing some game and you have to explain without using your language because we don't have that uh that luxury to be able to communicate but you know we have our hands we have our ways of explaining we have our ways of showing by us showing them what to do so this was a big learning thing for me, uh definitely a big stepping stone. Second, so we, we had the ability to make a difference in the children's life. They were coming to France and we were all there together. And you know, I could just be quiet and be, you know, okay, you're gonna do this, you're gonna do that and I decided to completely, like you said, comfort zone. I decided to go out of my comfort zone. So I started, you know, screaming, yelling, guys, come on, guys, let's go, let's do this. You know, I was very open to be in front of 20 kids that don't understand. It's it's not really easy to be that open. But I was being open. I was deciding to, you know, go around, grab every single one, you know, communicate face to face with them or eventually by body language, then giving them different segments. So, for example, if they lost during the match, they had to go in the middle of the group and dance. And if I see that they're shy, I would dance with them. So this kid came up to me and said, I really admire the fact that you're not so shy. I wish I was this way. And it's not that I was, you know, always this type of person, but I think what I noticed is that tomorrow they will be going home. What they can say, oh, it was okay. Or they can say, oh my God, I had such a wonderful time. So uh, in the end, I think I had such a wonderful time and I hope they did as well. So common goal was just, one step towards everything that I've gone through. And Common Goal is an amazing project that, you know, it doesn't cost us a lot to give 1% of our salary to be able to give back to somebody. And you get to choose who you give it back to. And I gave it back to the organization that actually sent me to Street World Football. So it kind of, it was a circle around. And I'm I'm glad to be part of such a wonderful organization and I hope more and more people join.
0: Lynn, you're inspiring me with just sharing that. And I can just hear your enthusiasm with regards to this as well. Just going back to your career now, just looking back, Sabrina, what have you enjoyed the most from your sports career journey out of interest?
1: Playing football. No, I'm just joking. (laughs) Of course, that's the best part. I think it's much easier. You don't have to really think about it. I think, you know, realizing there's so many different things. I have to say that, you know, I learned a lot along the way and I think I developed as a person. But what I enjoy is setting goals and being able to accomplish them three years ago to make a three year business plan and one of them was actually winning the double title. And to know that I sat down as we were changing ownership because Vincent Tan sold the club a year ago, a little bit less than a year ago. Uh, But when I sat down to make a new three year plan for the new owners, I sat down to look at the old one and I didn't realize how many goals we accomplished from having academy players within the first team, from having the development uh, of the players to be able to play in the first team, to be able to winning the double title. So at this point, you know, a lot of people say you, you go through so many hardships to win the double title or to win the title to have 15 minutes of, you know, going around celebrating. For me, it was something that went off my shoulders because this is something I wanted. And at that point, I told everybody tomorrow I don't care you know, what happens? I'm happy. <laughs> so even if I stayed here, didn't stay here, went to a different career, I'm just happy we got to the point where I really wanted to. And if I look back in all of the segments, is being able to see the, the development. So you're not staying at one point. When I was a player, to see the development of my playing career uh, as a sports lawyer, to be able to handle a case, to be able to see the, the difficulties of a case and to be able to unscramble it. So, uh, and as a CEO, you know, having all these difficulties and trust me, you know, this is only a small part, but the first year I'm amazed that I stuck through, but it's not just me, Uh, you know, Vincent Tan was amazed that I stuck through as well, because he told me one day, you know, I didn't expect for you to be able to handle everything that you did, but you were strong enough to do so. And I admired that. And for me, for him to say that I knew that I did the right way and I did the right thing. I supported him. And so... I don't know, for me, I think this is the most important thing that I've enjoyed is just seeing the development and setting the goals and seeing how you can accomplish them.
0: Really quickly, how did you feel when you did achieve that double? Well, the team achieved the double, but you know what I mean.
1: (laughs) Okay. Uh, I don't think I acted as a CEO that day. (laughs) I think CEOs should be very nice, you know, polite. I it was not like this. <laughs> so we won the double title and, uh, that morning it was sunny and it was wonderful weather. So I decided to wear white pants and a Jersey that said 66 on the back. 66 is how many times this club, uh, club has won, uh, cups, uh, cup titles and titles of the league. So I decided to wear that and it was a big match. If We win it. We won the title. So we had to actually prepare everything like we were going to win the title. So if we didn't win the match, we didn't win the title. So it was quite difficult. Uh, but we won, and it was a very wonderful match. And the rain started. Of course, I have white pants and heels. Heels were very big. So after we won, we received this uh, bus that is open on the top second floor. And I was entering the bus, and I look at the new board of directors that were there on the side. And I see them, and I was like, what are you guys doing? It's like, oh, it's raining. There's too many players on top of the roof. And I said... I'm not sitting here. So I took off my heels. I threw them over there. I went up and I started jumping with the players and singing. I felt like I was one of the players because I felt relieved uh, because it was a very stressful season. It was up and down. We had so many injuries. We had players, you know, coming in with uh, suspensions. We had situations where the result where we thought we were going to win, we lost. So at that point, we were so close and I was scared that we would drop it. And this is where they, the whole footballing, football industry is intriguing or interesting or however you want to put it in whichever word. But, you know, you never know what will happen. There's a ball it's around and it can go either way. And at that point, I just wanted to do that. And I said, like I told you earlier, for me, if I the next day, if I didn't have to do this job anymore, if they didn't want me here anymore, if anything, I would feel like I accomplished what I wanted to. So for me... For me, it's something that I will always take with me. And there is no amount of money that can give you that. So this is something more than any salary or any bonus. When they said, oh, maybe we should give everybody a bonus for winning. I said, my bonus is winning the titles. I don't need anything else because it was something that I wanted and I accomplished. And that is the best feeling ever.
0: Absolutely. And I can hear it through your voice. And look, Sabrina, I cannot express how much I've enjoyed this conversation, but I feel like we're at a great stage of the interview. where I'd like to finish with an inspirational question. What three tips would you give to people who want to pursue a career in the football industry?
1: I'm usually good at these things, I think, to say three tips. (laughs) For the first thing that I I say to even my employees all the time, if you hit, let's say you hit a wall. Um, A lot of times we've heard heard the quotes before. If you hit a wall, either break it down or climb over it. Uh, or climb over it, but if you hit a wall don 't think that there 's other ways that you can 't go around, for example, is there for me? I thought that I could not actually go to the university i didn 't I had a lot of times I had difficulties here where everything was limited, or i didn 't have what I wanted to be able to uh, improve the club and I still found different ways so it's even though it 's a challenge in the end it 's going to be even more i think um, let 's say you're, you're going to enjoy it more, even though it's a challenge. But you have to not give up, because if football it's not always going to go the right way. Sometimes the, the best transfer that you have, which has happened to me, a very good transfer that you have, and the last day of the transfer window, the person says, oh, I we decide to go with a different uh, player. So in the end, there's a lot of times that it's not going to be the way you want it, but you just can't give up. Second thing is definitely set goals, uh, because without these goals, or even though... They maybe are in 10 years or in five years. But without these goals and certain steps to get to that, then there's no way to measure the improvement of your career, whether it's even finishing your degree, for example, for me. But I wanted to know what I wanted to do with my degree. So I already had a goal of why I wanted to finish it. And so I was more intrigued of learning everything possible while I was there. Third, enjoy. If you don't enjoy your job, don't do it. For me, that's the biggest thing. If you're, I I will give advice on that. I've had a coach that I put as the head of, um, head of academy. I put him as head of academy around two years ago. And I saw the difference in him within a few months. He was uh, more in administration than he was on the pitch. And I told him, listen, don't, Just because it looks like a nice job, don't do it just because it looks like a nice job. Do it because you like it. When you are on the pitch, when I see you on the pitch, your face lights up. And I'm the same way. I love being on the pitch, but I love this job as well. So, you know, I don't see that in you. I don't see when you're doing greener reports for the academy. I don't see that light. So it's quite important to do what you love. So if you don't feel that international law is for you, then maybe you should go out and find what it is. And for me, I really enjoy my uh, job. And I said to myself that there's no job in the world that I'll do unless it involves a football. I
0: can tell that throughout this whole conversation. I really do hope the listeners take those three tips on board. Sabrina, how can people interact with you on social media?
1: <laughs> That's the most difficult part. I think uh, it's quite difficult. <laughs> um, considering I really took down almost all my social media networks, The best way is through LinkedIn Uh, and you can just type in my first name and last name and you can find me on LinkedIn.
0: That is great to all the listeners listening in. That LinkedIn link will be on my website relating to this blog post. Sabrina, I've just enjoyed this conversation so much and thank you so much for being a special guest on the show.
1: Thank you, Ed, and thank you to your uh, listeners.
0: Wow, what an unbelievable podcast chat with Sabrina. And again, I say this phrase a lot, but it's conversations like this. That make me want to do more podcasting. It really gets me going with that motivation because it's stories like this that need to be told, need to be shared. And with regards to Sabrina's story, it covers everything you need to do to circle in the sports industry, not just football industry, the sports industry. Without a doubt, get a pen and paper and re-listen to this and you will learn something new every time you listen to it because there is so much golden nuggets of information which you can apply to your sports career journey today. And I'm applying myself, by the way. I I don't like to preach at the end of these uh, podcast episodes, but honestly, there's so much here. So one of the biggest learning lessons... I've taken from Sabrina is volunteering. If you listened really carefully, she said she wanted to work at the particular football club and it took her one and a half years to get that volunteering opportunity. Ironically enough, it's the same club she's volunteered at and now she's the CEO at. Work that out. How powerful is that? If you're just starting out and you're thinking, well, what are the benefits of volunteering? It takes time. It takes your character to really prove to people who you are as an individual with your skill sets and your knowledge. But most of all, your persistence to really drive towards your goals. That's my second golden nugget I want to share. Goal setting. How powerful was that three year plan? Let alone Sabrina hadn't had real experience as a CEO. She put the plan in place. She used mentors like Dev to really bounce off her ideas to try and make this plan happen. And it was only last year that they got the double. And it took that three-year plan to come together to achieve that one goal. Honestly, there's so much. and But it all comes down to Sabrina's attitude, taking the hard road. And sometimes we are frightened of taking it. And that's why I wanted this podcast topic to be about getting out your comfort zone. Here is such a powerful case study that getting out your comfort zone, creating your own path, is sometimes the only answer to making your sports career a reality. And what you want to do, what you enjoy, but most of all making it happen. So look... I hope you've enjoyed this podcast as much as I have. Please let me know on Twitter at Ed Bowers 101, your biggest learning lesson, and please share it because it's stories that, like this that need to be shared because it will really inspire others to achieve their sports career ambition, but also achieve what they want to do in life. So on that note, I really do hope this podcast episode has motivated you right now in this present moment and really take action relating to your sports career ambition today. Now, as always, at the end of each podcast episode, I like to finish with an inspirational quote from my guest speaker. Sabrina said, if you hit a brick wall, find a way to break through it or treat it like a challenge to succeed in what you want to do in the football industry by not giving up.